and welcome to another episode of Tomorrow Will Be Great. I'm Elise. And I'm Julia. And today we're going to be talking about personal style and how you can find clothes that are good for you. So we were trying to think of a subject that is happy and fun and funny and personal. So today we're going to be talking a bit about how you can take your own measurements to find the best fit of clothes, which we've mentioned before in the episodes, like when we talked about, I believe it was the sharing economy about like vintage clothes and stuff and how to buy clothes online from a, it's not like a last point retailer, but somewhere you can't return it. And so we're going to explain how to take your own measurements. We're going to talk a bit about our personal styles, what we find that works best for our own personal selves and lots of other fun things. I think we're going to start out with how to take your own measurements. Yeah. And this is something that we think is really useful. And one thing we keep meaning to do, and we haven't gotten around to doing it, even though now is a really good time to do it, is make a little line drawing of a shirt and a dress and put arrows on it to like tell people where we're measuring what. We get Mm -hmm. emailed to ask for measurements a lot, and we realize it would be really helpful to tell people exactly where we're measuring from. So this is not a visual diagram, but we're going to describe it. (laughs) Yes. And it'll be great. So there's I think there's probably two different approaches you can take for measuring. Like one of them is to literally measure your body. And then the other one is something that I think I prefer for myself is measuring a garment that you own that fits like the garment you want. And then seeing how the measurements line up with the measurements of the new piece you're looking into. Not foolproof, but I like doing that. For me, it's probably like what Elise does. It's best for me to hear a garment's measurements rather than the other way around. Just because I think that then you're, comparing like apples to apples versus apples to oranges. Like if you're looking for something that has a fitted waist and maybe a tighter bodice, but a looser skirt, you want to measure something that has the same fit so that you know that when it comes, you'll have enough ease through the bodice, but it's still fitted. And then the skirt is going to do another thing, an easy way of figuring out how something should fit you. So I guess our key measurements, when we send measurements out on a dress or a top are going to be your shoulder measurements, which is your shoulder seam, which you should not measure on your body. Because you, you have no on line on, <laughs> yeah, you have no line on your body, and in my fashion class, we learned that taking your shoulder measurements is one of the hardest measurements to take, and people can't really do it by themselves. And if you're not trained, you'll get it wrong. So, measure it on your like piece of clothing. So that's obviously your shoulder seam to your shoulder seam. Then you have your pit to pit or p to p, um, which is also pretty self-explanatory. It's your armpit. So below the sleeve line to below the sleeve line that ends up with your chest. I always feel like when I hear pit to pit, I'm happy that it's, we abbreviate it to that because something about saying armpit out loud, (laughs) isn't exciting. Like no one wants to hear armpit to armpit. Like, Ooh. Yeah. Also that's a whole lot of, lot of letters to type. Yeah, exactly. So pit to pit, P to P. Yeah. And you have your waist, which is generally the smallest part of your midsection, generally under your rib cage. Your hips, which are generally your widest part. Oh wait, where are these on a garment? Uh, your waist, if they're if it cinches in at all, that's probably where the cinch is. And then your hips. I generally take hips. I don't know where you do, Julia. Generally, like an inch or two under the pocket, the bottom of the pocket, if there's a pocket in it. Yeah, about there. And then for pants, you also have your inseam, which is your internal, like the seam on the inside of your leg. And then you have your outseam. 
right? That's what that's called. Like yeah, the length me, of the leg. Yeah. To me, the outseam is always synonymous with the entire length of the pant. And then you have your front rise, which is the, so on most pairs of pants, you'll have a little X in the middle of the bottom of the pant where all the seams come together. So that's the front one, generally where the fly is. And then your back rise, which is across your bum, which generally is going to be higher than your front rise. Well, it should be, if not those might fit weird. I think, and then like your sleeve length and stuff. And I think those are generally the measurements. I don't know. Did I miss any, Julia? No, that sounds about the keyest ones of all. The one I always have trouble with, and I guess we can get into ones is like the rise of pants. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll see a measurement for that and I'll be measuring from where it is to where it is. And I'll be like, wait, what? That's up to my chest. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess these are high rise pants, but I'm always like, whoa. So sometimes what you see written down as a number is really hard to wrap your head around what that mm-hmm. three-dimensional object will be like on yourself. Like it comes up a lot in jeans. Um, if you're buying jeans from a lot of contemporary brands, we'll have the different rise options. And a lot of times now they'll give you the rise in inches. So it'll be like nine inch rise, 10 inch rise, 11 inch rise. I love myself an 11 inch rise, which is like <laughs> up to your hips, like up to your rib cage. But again, as I've said like a million times, I'm very tall. So on someone like Julia, 11 inch <laughs> rise will probably go like up past her belly button, like right under her chest. So probably not ideal. And so <laughs> we're going to talk about that later about finding things that work well with you. you. It's probably, and, I would say out of all of those, the most important you're going to want to pay attention to is definitely the shoulder seam. Just cause we, I mean, yeah, we sell a lot of dresses mainly. So shoulder seam, pit to pit and waist or hip. And I think yeah. maybe even out of everything, the pit to pit is probably the most important because a lot of the time the pit to pit, it just kind of extends outlined into an A line from there for the most part. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it will taper in at the waist with some things we sell, but it's not just yeah. about what we sell, but we mostly do the tent style dresses. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's like your, your shoulder, your pit to pit. One thing that often comes up for us is someone will give us their bra size. It's not helpful because a lot of the times the bra size is referring both to the measurement of the underbust and also the cup size. That's not an actual measurement. So let's say you say, oh, my bust is a 38 B. That's not really telling me what the fullest measurement of your bust is. So you just want to take a tape measure and essentially you're measuring all around, put the tape measure under your armpits and across your bust. And you don't want it to squeeze. You kind of just want it to have that relaxed feel, not too tight, too loose. So it's the actual measurement. And let's say you come up with your bus size and it's 36. So you might think, oh, so if I divide that in half, the pit to pit of my shirt should be 18 inches. And the truth is it could be 18 inches if it's like a stretch material, but I prefer, and I think Elise does too, that there's some ease. So in reality, you want your pit to be to pit to be maybe more like 19 to give you that two inches of ease in there or more. It just depends on. I think that's really true is that, especially because a lot of the materials we use don't stretch a lot. Like if you have just a woven, it's not going to have a lot of give to it. And so in order to be able to have like a full range of mobility, you're going to want some space. And also if you want to be able to breathe or to layer. Another thing on measurements is it's really good to have someone to help you because a lot of times when you try and do it yourself, it'll start drooping in the back and you won't be able to see that. So your measurements might be off. So just having someone who's like there to make sure that your tape measure is actually going fully around the widest part of your bust. Yeah, I recently tried to like take all of my measurements myself 
and it's really hard. It's really hard, especially the the pants. I'd say the waist. You can, I don't think you can. you can do that, but you cannot do pants and shoulder like you said is kind of impossible. So get a friend to help. It's a really fun buddy activity. For your waist, I learned in costumes in high school that you should take one hand, put it on your hip, and then bend. And so wherever that bend is, put the measuring tape in that bend and then measure all the way around. I mean, you should stand up again, but that will give you your natural waist where your body typically bends. And so that is your waist. That one's one that's probably the easiest measurement, I think, to do. Again, if you want to be super good about this, I would say take your measurements, I don't know, two to three times and then like average them out to make sure. Then your hip is your fullest part of your bum around. So the hip is is a lot easier to measure on a three-dimensional human than it is on a flat garment because generally it, there's a lot of different places you could measure as the hip. But obviously once your three-dimensional person is in these two-dimensional pants, they're not going to necessarily be exactly where you guessed they would be, though they could be. And then like your inseam, put your, put your <laughs> measuring tape like at the highest point of your leg and then just measure down roughly to your ankle bone. Again, a lot of jeans are sold that way and men's pants are sold that way, which come on ladies, like we gotta, we gotta get on that selling by measurements versus selling by, I don't know, whatever arbitrary sizes are. I know. Can we just talk about inseams for a second? So I am 33. Am I like, am I like, am I that old? And for most of my life, pants were not sold for with inseams. It was always at least a 32 or 34 inch inseam. And I was always having to hem the pants. And then at some point, I don't know, maybe halfway through college, they were like inseams for women. And I'm like, hey, where has this been my whole life? <laughs> Men's always has had it, but yeah. Cause I feel like companies like Levi's and stuff have started to come back into their own in recent years. And they, that's how they sell their women's pants by like, it's your waist measurement by your length. And so I don't know if maybe people were like, this is actually a very good idea. Yeah. <laughs> start it doing is. it for everyone. Yeah. And again, it's a lot of personal preference when it comes to inseams. Do you like to cuff your pants? Do you not like to cuff yep. your pants? Do you want to have like high water pants? It's like, there's a lot of different options. So knowing if it's a crop pan or not is helpful, but again, measurements, you'll be able to figure out all these fun things. Oh, Julie, do you want to talk about, about shoes, which is not gonna be our entire conversation today, but it's an yeah, interesting. No, one. that's another one. We were just talking about that. And Elise was like, Oh, we should include shoes. A lot of people don't list shoe measurements and there's so many places you could measure on a shoes, which is in my opinion, why shoes are really hard to sell online. Cause people have a lot of different preferences on how their shoes fit. And I personally really like my shoes loose, <laughs> but I'm told I'm kind of strange. <laughs> but I think I just have gotten a lot of blisters over the years from too mm -hmm. tight shoes. Anyway, but so there's two ways to measure a shoe. There's the outsole, which is literally the outside of the shoe on the sole from the heel furthest part to the tippiest tip of the toe. And mm -hmm. you just want to take a tape measure and you want to measure along that. And then there's also the insole measurement, which is the inside of the shoe, which is a little trickier to measure. So you're going to mm -hmm. need a soft tape measure instead of a hard ruler. So you kind of need to shove that top part of the measuring tape down into towards the toe area. And you're not going to get an absolutely perfect measurement, but you're going to do a pretty good job. And you're going to shove that all the way to the front and you're going to measure all the way back to the heel to where the side of the shoe starts to rise up. 
And you're going to notice that there's probably anywhere I've seen huge amounts of difference between the insole and out. So it can Mm -hmm. be up to three quarters of an inch sometime, sometimes with even crazier platform, like big bulky shoes, it can be an inch I've seen too. And the insole measurement is actually the really accurate measurement for measuring your foot. Cause when you're going to sit down and measure your foot, you're not going to measure. You're not sitting down to measure. Oh, okay. We just talked about this. Lisa's is like, do not do this. So when you measure your foot, you should stand up because your foot is going to act much different when you're standing and walking than it is when you're sitting. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you were a kid and you went to Bob's or any like sneaker place to try on shoes when you're a kid. They used to have those like metal. Yeah. Like where did those go? These metal collapsible shoe things. And the the clerk would come and they'd say, stand up, put your foot in this. And then they'd close down on your foot. And there are reasons they had you stand up. It's because your foot gets a little spreads. Yeah. Out. Again, you're going to kind of want to do the, the same thing that you did with the insoles with your foot. You want to go from your heel to your tippy toe, big toe, but or again, your middle toe. or your middle toe, because sometimes people, yeah. your middle toe is longer than your big toe. So there's a lot. And again, this might be something that's good to do with a friend because it might be hard for you to bend over while standing and applying the right amount of pressure that you normally do on the floor. I don't know about you, Elise, but I'm always trying to figure out where I should say my heel ends because mm. it's like this curve. See, I have another good tip about that. Okay. Because the toe is yeah. more obvious. Like, okay, that's the yes. start of my toe, but my heel is this curve. Because <laughs> I have big feet. And so it's really hard for me because my my foot hits at one place and my heel keeps going up and out. And so for a closed shoe, it's different than a hard shoe, closed shoe versus an open shoe. Um, but something I read online that I do not recall where, but when you're measuring your foot, it says the best possible way to do it is to take a piece of paper, put it on the floor against a wall and then back your heel up against the wall mm-hmm. and then have you or a friend take it and take your big toe and draw a little line there. And so that you know that you're measuring from the base of the paper up to the line. And that's how you can include your heel because heels do go out past the bottom of your foot pad. So that's just a tip that I have heard. And again, it's like the measuring your body. It's maybe good to do it one or two different times just to make sure that you're getting an accurate measurement across because your feet hopefully aren't like growing and shrinking because that would be weird. Well, and feet can grow and shrink. Yes, this is true, like especially hot, if you're pregnant or if you're pregnant or hot weather. Yeah. yeah. My feet are always bigger in the summer. Yeah. I've also heard that it's better to take your foot measurements at the end of the day once you've been up and walking on them all day because that's going to be the biggest your foot's ever going to be um, versus like when you wake up in the morning and then all your swelling has gone down and whatnot. That's just something I heard. I feel like I heard two older women talking about it in a shoe store once <laughs> where they're like, it's so good. We're here at nine o'clock, <laughs> which is a very good tip because there's nothing worse than your shoes pinching your toes and giving you blisters. Julie and I both have weird shoe things. So that's probably a whole other topic, but that's a good way to get a start on finding shoes that fit you. I know even once recently. So as I just said, I like my shoes a little looser and mm-hmm. I think I had posted a picture of myself in these shoes on Instagram. And then I think someone DM me and was like, those look huge on you. (laughs) (laughs) I had to explain to them. I think I just like, I mean, it's part of it was the style. It was more pointed. So Mm -hmm. I needed a little bit bigger for that. But I mean, I agree. They did look kind of big for my feet. But it's personal preference. I mean, even your clothes too. That's all personal preference. 
and we're not trying to tell anyone you have to have your thing fitting this way. We're just trying to help give measurements from our clothes the best you can so they can be as helpful to Mm -hmm. you when you're cross-checking them with your own clothes you already own. So, I mean, even if you're not buying from us, just in general, if you're buying from another small store or vintage seller, they're probably going to be able to give you measurements. And so it's just a good life hack. Yeah. And in terms of like alterations, if you need to make alterations, definitely mm-hmm. like one of the easiest alterations you can make is hemming something. So mm-hmm. if your pants are too long, it's pretty easy to have them hemmed either by yourself, if you can do it or by a tailor or a friend that can do it. Um, that's mm-hmm. probably the or a dress hemming a dress is with just a flat seam at the bottom, a very simple alteration to make. Yeah. Um, Don't try to do a circle skirt on your own. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I tried it once. It doesn't go well. I tried it on like a full 360 degree circle skirt and I just couldn't wrap my brain around how, cause you have to like pleat and and it's a big complicated process. So things like that. I would leave to the professionals or if you're a professional or if you just don't care and you're like, F it, I want to try this out, go for it. But I think it's really important to have a good tailor. Um, and they're a good tailor is amazing. I know. Personally, I love my tailor, especially if you're petite or tall, like Julia was saying, hems are really hard and some, some of them are very easy to do on your own. But on things like a lined suit, altering a lined suit is really hard unless you know what you're doing. And if you have, say you have hips that are much wider than your waist and you get that really annoying little opening. Part of the problem I have that like when I've tried on the classic sailor pants style that mm-hmm. is popular now, I have to go so high up to get my hips to fit in. And then the waist ends up being like, <laughs> and so I think again, that's like why finding a tailor is good. Cause yeah. then if you say you really, really want these sailor pants, then you could have these sailor pants and either you could do it. But again, it's a hard alteration to do on yourself, especially, um, or have a friend. It's always good to have a friend who can sew. So find one and find one and make them do things for you. Yeah. And bring them. Yes. That's just something to note is that a lot of tailors are magical. And I guess then the other half of what we wanted to talk about here today is finding your personal style. And for me, that's something that has taken a really long time to, I guess, is solidify the right word. I don't know if you feel that way too, but I think it, for me, it took a long time to find myself in that way because I just like so many things. And I think you have that too. You just like love all the things. I do love all the things. All right, if we're getting into personal personal stories, I would say that I found my general sense of fashion probably like when I was confident enough to wear what I wanted to wear. It was probably my senior year of high school. I started wearing dresses. Me and my friend had this thing that we called No Pants Wednesdays, um, <laughs> which doesn't mean like don't wear bottoms. It just literally meant like wear a skirt or a dress. And maybe that was actually my junior year. I don't really remember. But, like, by my senior year of high school, I was just wearing, like, boots and tights and skirts and dresses. And Julia can attest, I still wear boots and tights and <laughs> tights and dresses. I don't really wear skirts anymore. But I think that having a personal confidence level is hugely important in it. Because I had always loved that. Like, I, <laughs> nerdy fact, I've been subscribed to Vogue for 10 years. So since I was... 14, but like, I clearly wasn't, I was wearing, I think we talked about this before. I wore like tie-dyed sweatpants, yoga pants 
to school in high school, like my freshman year. I don't and, think I knew that, but oh, I it was special. It. it was very it was special. A special moment. Was, time. Yeah. I mean, cause I was like scared to stand out. So I would wear like these terrible yoga. I mean, not that yoga pants are terrible. They're wonderful to wear, but they aren't what I would choose to wear, but I was so scared to be different. So I'd wear like yoga pants and t-shirts and sweatshirts and stuff and stuff that I would never wear now. I mean, also I grew a lot really fast at the end of middle school. Like I grew six inches in one year, so nothing really fit me anymore. And that was the start of my wonderful, I'm actually very tall and most clothes don't fit me normally, (laughs) which then became a thing in high school when I'd wear very short skirts. Again, that's like part of what we're going to talk about was like finding your personal style and how things work with you is that I was like, okay, I'm just going to accept it. All skirts are going to be short. So now I'm going to wear like completely opaque black tights so that it's not inappropriate for a 17 year old to be wearing. Though, I mean, I guess you could argue what's inappropriate. And I think since then I've just been on some like rolling mission of fashion to just find what I like and wear it. And it is very diverse. I will say. Would you wear what you wore in high school now? Yeah, I actually still have some of it. I I think I still have some of the tights. Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of what I wore in high school is I wore these very, these, um, like, skater-style skirts, which I wouldn't really wear now because they're very short. Skater-style. I'm trying to see. Like a circle skirt, like, that I'd wear up on my high waist. Do you mean, like, a little skirt, kind of? Kind of. Like, it was, like, a circle skirt, but it kind of... It was like, it ended above my fingertips, which I know scandalous, but public school. So, I mean, my, my uniform was basically opaque tights, boots, a, like a circle skirt, a tank top, and then a, like a long cardigan over that whole look. I don't know if I'd wear that same exact look, but I definitely wear variations on it now. Again, I mean, I've only been out of high school for like, what, six years. So not that long, which is funny because I actually have been parts of conversations where people who are older than me are like, oh my God, I would never wear what I wore in high school. And I'm like, haha, I still own half of what I wore in high school. Well, high school is also a lot more recent for you than a lot of people. Yeah, I know. So I'm like, I haven't had time to have that. I mean, I have like the cringy regret over the tie-dyed yoga pants, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily over what I wore later in high school, though I did have yeah. this like terrible bright pink sweater, which I think I only wore a few times because it had it got so many pulls in it. And then my sister definitely still owns some of the clothes I wore in high school because <laughs> this the, the earlier ones are probably more her speed than mine. I'm trying to think if I have anything from high school still. I have a sweatshirt from my friend, but that might be about it. There might be a few a t-shirt floating around, but I think at some point I think I got rid of a lot of like everything for me. I can actually remember. Well, no. Okay. This is what I've been told. (laughs) Apparently my first clothing thing that I had to have was very much when I was a toddler. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I was in forget some department store and I, my parent, my mom still has this dress and apparently I had to have it. Have I told you this story, Elise? No. Okay. You should have my mom tell it probably because it'll be more (laughs) accurate. I had to have this dress that I saw in the children's section of this department store. I don't know if it was JCPenney's or where we were. I can't remember. My mom would remember. And it was this little magenta pink sleeveless tank jersey dress. And it had mm-hmm. a little attached ruffle white and black polka dot skirt. And it had 
three teal pom-poms up the front. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I think there was some yellow in there somewhere and I screamed and I had to have it. And I was like two or something. And I was <laughs> like, I have to have this. It's, I need it. And my mom said, I just felt so emotional about it. And I, I guess they got it for me. And then like, I called it my cocktail dress. Ooh, <laughs> at least you're a fancy child. Which is such the opposite of what it was. Like a hot pink and colorful dress yeah but I was like I feel like even from an early age I was really obsessed and emotional about clothes um and then there were other things like that I think throughout my my young life where I was like I have to have it and it would be like a really crazy thing I remember in high school there do you remember Paul Frank yes <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> oh my god I totally forgot about it. I used to love him me too him, is it a him the company I, I love no that company I have no idea what it is I guess I should look it up but um there was a store in Northampton Massachusetts called Faces I don't know if anyone listening will know that store but it was kind of like this like early like mod cloth all indie like little it was kind of like a an indie little department store it was very tiny but it had that like it had multiple departments in it like a card mm-hmm. section and plants and home stuff and anyway there was a, a oh my gosh it was a kelly green shirt <laughs> <laughs> we have an ongoing kelly green joke right now um yes. and it was a kelly green shirt with lots of little whales all over it and i had to have that and I think, like, I thought about it for a month, and I begged, and I begged for it. <laughs> anyway, so those are, like, two really early fashion memories that are a little embarrassing for me. And I think I, I've come a long way since then. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still into Kelly Green, so. Oh, there was something I showed Elise today that was like, do I need this? It's Kelly Green. And she's like, <laughs> Kelly Green set. From? I'm trying to think. Yeah, how I was in high school and how I was in college was just, like, very crazy hippie clothes, patchwork pants. Only in the past 10 years have I really like narrowed down a little bit to be into things that I am more into now. But I feel like the crazy stuff still comes out once in a while. Are there favorite things that you own versus like that you love them versus what you actually wear more? You see something on your rack, you're like, oh my God, I love that so much, but you don't really wear it. Yeah, I have my magical rainbow ace and jig dress. I when I was in college, I interned there for a summer and I got this rainbow tiered maxi dress, which I I still totally love. I'm sure there is ace and jig fans out there listening. Do you want to tell the fabric that it is? Do you know? Oh, uh, I don't know. It's like rainbow double cloth double gauze on half of it and then a rainbow single cloth on other ones oh i don't remember what it's called i think it's the days dress i'm gonna look it up right yeah. now D or days i think d-a-z-e oh, okay so it's a tiered dress yeah so it's like this tiered like crazy ass hippie dress and i love it so much but as all ace and jig fans know their double cloth is not necessarily the most stable fabric and so i get really paranoid wearing it so i only wear it on special occasions have i Um, seen this i'm like googling it maybe but to be honest since oppie came around i've been kind of scared (laughs) to wear it (laughs) the little jump up she does yeah because i i have antagonized oppie before and she's jumped up and got her cute little finger stuck in one of my dresses and so i'm very scared of something like that happening to this dress so that I'd say is probably one of my favorite pieces I own 
But what I wear the most, as Julia can probably attest to, is I have an incredible army of black dresses. Like in the summer, I have like five or six black dresses that are all like cotton or linen, and I just wear them on repeat. I mean, like they're as low end as Target, and then like I have a Carew dress, which is a brand we carry that I love a lot. I don't know if the Ace and Jig dress is special to me because of like everything, but I think it's just so cool looking. It's also really long, which is ironic because again, I'm really tall and I have to like pick up the front of it when I'm walking upstairs because I'd say it's a true oh, maxi dress. Do that. It must yeah, be long. It is really long. I mean, I've seen a lot of people on Instagram who's like taken the bottom tier off of it uh, because I it's just so long. So I think like that's like what is probably my favorite piece versus, versus like what I wear because I think, I don't know, I don't know about you, Julia, but what I think of like what I wear, I think of my fashion more during the spring and fall yes. than I do during like the winter or summer. Cause I think those are more utilitarianly geared outfits, especially cause I think I mentioned it before. Philadelphia gets a very nice and hot and sticky in the summer. I just go for like natural fibers that don't touch my body. <laughs> I'm like, give me all the moo's, all of them. <laughs> and I have some authentic moo's that are vintage that are fabulous. But I think, yeah. So it's like what I love versus what I tend to gravitate to to actually wear who generally I think be my black dresses who are all suspiciously missing pockets and I'm not really sure who decided that was okay oh yeah pockets are always good do you feel guilt about like the things you're that dress that you're like I love it so much but like I'm not wearing it so does it I don't know for me I feel like I have a lot of guilt about the things where I'm like oh my god I love this piece so much but I don't really wear it but yeah, I mean, I debate not that piece per se, but I have some other Ace and Jig pieces from when I interned there that I'm kind of like, should I sell it and put that toward buying something else? Or do I still love it even though I don't wear it anymore? Like I have a jumpsuit by them, which I haven't worn in over a year probably or two what? I don't know if I've seen this jumpsuit. It's annoying because I had to have a zipper put in it because again, it's got the hip the hip butt problem is that it's a step-in jumpsuit. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. We have um, one of those that is problematic. Yeah. At the shop. And so I had to have a zipper professionally installed so that I could actually get into it more than once. Cause I got into it once and I was like, I love it. And then I tried to get out of it and it took me like 20 minutes. I'm feeling like a little like jig wiggle band. I was going to say, like, did you have to cut yourself? I felt like I was going to have to, but I'm like, should I sell it and like put that more money toward buying something else that I love and will wear? Or am I just like kind of sentimentally stuck to it? And I don't know. Cause I think sentimental clothing is something that I'm very, I'm a pretty sentimental person. So I get really attached and I don't like getting rid of things. Like, again, I think we talked about how I still have my prom dress, even though it doesn't fit me and I don't foresee getting rid of it. But like Julia, who I think could also be pretty sentimental. She just like ditched it as soon as she was done. She's like, goodbye. It was more like after high school. I was like, I don't really want to think about that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But what would you say is like your favorite piece versus like what you religiously wear? You know, I know what I religiously wear, so that's easier. And maybe it's the same at this point, just because I've really honed in on things a lot and tried to become a little bit more practical rather than Mm -hmm. being, oh my God, I feel so drawn to this. I think right now the things I'm wearing the most are these sets. There's a, a woman in London 
who weaves. Maybe some of you are familiar with her work. Her name is Amy Revier, and she does this series called The Silent Traveler. It is about this book that was written about a man who travels to all these different places, and she envisioned this this outfit you would travel around, and it's just like a very simple matching pants and shirt. I have two of them, one in a black moleskin and one in a white linen, and I just wear them all the time. All the time. Like, Elise is like, is that all you have? <laughs> it, it really helps me not want to take everything home from the store. And you have so many pockets in them. <laughs> exactly. So the pockets are really helpful. And it's also really practical with having a dog right now. So I really like those a lot. So that's mm-hmm. probably my two favorite things. But I'm also, I wish I could walk upstairs, but I'm attached to a microphone right now. <laughs> I don't know what my favorite thing that I don't wear that much. I'm going through my rack in my head. There's this one thing I have where I, but I, I can't really find something to wear with it easily. It's an Isabel Morant quilted tank top. I don't, have you seen that? I don't think so. It's because they don't know what to wear on the bottom half. That can be the challenge of separates. Um, See, that's my mom's hot tip. My mom says never buy something if you don't know what you wear it with, which is so true because you're never going to find the thing to wear it with if you don't already own it. It's just like a black racerback tank top and there's like, it's separated between silk, a a raw woven silk Mm -hmm. and a quilted area on top. And it's so cool, and I think it has such nice details, but I need to find, like, a black skirt or something to wear under it. Um, it doesn't really – you'd probably wear it with pants, and you could rock yeah. that look. I think it, it wouldn't work for me as much. But I can't let it go. I feel like I could talk about every single thing. Like, uh, sometimes I'll be like, hey, Jeff, do you know this thing? And he's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And, or he'll be like, you have a thing to talk about with every piece of clothing and why it's special. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't yeah. know. I, I just make stories for everything. I'm like, but it has these buttons or it has this thing or I don't know. I mean, I feel like everyone in their wardrobe has a piece. I don't know what I'd wear if I didn't have this. And then you're like, but what did I actually wear before this? Cause you know, when you get something new and you're like, all I want to wear is this new thing. Exactly. And then you're like, I have no clothes. And it's like, yeah, well you had clothes five minutes before you bought this dress or whatever and you used to wear them happily and I feel like that maybe is a downfall of buying new things is it makes you disregard everything else you have I'm trying to Sam sets are pretty speedy I know I was gonna I was gonna I know he's gonna hear this because he listens hi Sam (laughs) I really I, I didn't mean to keep this from the store but there was a jacket that came in and I was, I didn't think I was going to keep it. And then I noticed it had an antique embroidered J on it. And I was like, well, oh crap. I guess I have you're to like, keep this. You're like, everyone has to know that there's a J in my name. So I really like that a lot. Mm-hmm. That is a very cool piece. What about shoes? Do you have trouble with shoes or do you feel like you have a favorite pair I of hate shoes? shoes. <laughs> and I have shoe problems as we mentioned. So I think Julie and I have very different shoe problems. I just have big feet which which are also very narrow you've said yeah like big narrow like my feet are averagely sized width wise but long and so a lot of shoes that are my size tend to get a lot wider than I need them so I don't know I've just been recently I've been loving my converse high top which I have a pair in black and a pair in white and the white ones probably could use a bath I love those but then I have my fancy shoes which are a pair by Sevilla I think it's it's pronounced Sevilla Smith, I believe. I got them at a sample sale, and they're like my fancy witch shoes, and I haven't really got a good chance to wear them yet because 
I don't actually know why, because I think I got them at the end of the fall last year. They're definitely like a warmer weather shoe. And so if it ever stops raining and if quarantine is ever lifted, I will gladly prance around the city in them. I know. And now it's easy for you to walk to work in your fancy shoes. In my fancy shoes, rather than being like an old timey lawyer from the eighties, carrying a pair of heels and wearing your new balances. Nothing wrong with that. I know. It's very practical. My whole shoe thing has changed a lot because I have TMI. I got a Morton's Neuroma on the ball of my foot (laughs) on my left side, and I've gotten a lot of cortisone injections. So I like my uh, shoes a little bigger, and my feet are just uncomfortable a lot of the time. So I've become a full-time sneaker person for the most part. I really enjoy wearing the Ben Simons when we have them. I, I also do like shoes like pottery. I feel like they're pretty comfortable for me. What is your favorite sneaker that costs like $40? Oh, my favorite sneaker that I've gone through lots of pairs of, and this is because it has a molded footbed and I can get them in whatever city I'm in, is this Muji sneaker. And I will ruin them in probably way quicker than I would like to say. And so I have a lot of guilt about buying them, but they're so comfy. They're $29. The class classic Muji white sneaker. And everyone asked me, where did you get those? It's Muji. You got to get them at Muji. So I also like Marcel a lot, but my more recent pair of them Mm -hmm. that fell apart within a week in Paris. (laughs) In the middle of Paris when we were walking like 10 miles a day. Yeah. And the sole just came off and then someone looked at me and like, is your shoe okay? And you're like, well, I don't have any other shoes. Yeah, I'm like, this is, I, I tried to pack late. I have this pair and one other pair. That's it. No more shoes. So, And that's when the Muji shoes come to save the day. Exactly. So I had to get a pair of those because everything was raining and wet and my shoes were falling apart. I'm trying to think what else I've tried. I used to wear a lot of Rapettos, but the sole is just way too thin on those these days for me. Yeah. I feel like we're old people. We're like sneakers. We're like sneakers. sneakers. We're old They're people. fabulous. I'm trying to think what else. I've always wanted to try Gweedy, but I, I feel like I'm going to have the same problem with some of the Marcel's as the sole is just too thin and it's leather and there's no cushion yeah Yeah. well I think that it's like the Sevilla shoes would not be for you because it's like a leather it's a handmade leather shoe and there's I mean I got in like soles put on them so I don't slip and slide around Uh, but see the thing oh I forgot my favorite summer shoes because we're going with the whole cheap shoe thing is saltwater sandals literally no support no nothing but I can wear them out of the box and they are so comfortable it's funny how that can be that way sometimes it's so weird I had like walked miles before I moved into my apartment down the street from the store I would walk about two and a half to three miles a day not in one tape to get to the store. Like I'd walk to the train from my parents' house. Cause I live with my parents, um, to my parents, from my parents' house to the train. And then to the, from the train, the mile and a bit to the shop. And I wore them the first day I got them and I had no blisters and I've never had any blisters from them. And I think it's magical, but again, it's like the same promise. The Muji shoe is they're not necessarily the most well-made shoe. I could probably use some new ones at some point. Yeah. I wore them every day last summer. How quickly did you get through a pair or like, do you think you would wear through a pair? I probably have, I probably have another, I mean, I'm walking a lot less now, which is a whole other probably not so happy topic, (laughs) but like I could probably do another year in them. I guess it depends on how, as my cobbler, because I also have a cobbler because I'm an old timey person, says is I walk really hard which I'm not really sure what that means, but I go through the heels of my shoes really fast. I do too. I don't know if getting soles 
put back on a $40 pair of shoes is worth it because it'll cost the same to get a new pair. But then you have the environmental impact of buying a new pair. I know. That's why I have so much hard. I think I would go through a pair a year. And I mean, the rubber will start to crack at the bend in your toe Mm -hmm. area and the toe box. And it just... Which is why the shoes like pottery are better. Yes, those do do that. But they don't have the molded footbed like the Muji ones have. I know. I I know. I have a lot of guilt about that. I think I feel like that's my still one thing I feel bad about. But I also do, I do wear the plaws pretty successfully. Oh, yeah. But again, I can't walk 10 miles in them. I've had pretty good luck with the, I have tried out the, gosh, how do I say the name of it? <laughs> Drogaria. Oh, gosh, here, let me pull it up. So I have the Mary Jane's and slides we have at the shop that we just got in and started the stocking. Okay, Drogaria Crivellini. Okay, I should learn how to say that better. <laughs> I've been wearing those around the shop. I'm not the shop around the house, but granted, I'm not really going anywhere right now. I've been okay in those so far, comfort wise. I don't know yeah. about 10 miles, so I would be skeptical. I mean, yeah, I don't know how many shoes are good for 10 miles. I will say Converse does a lug Converse high top, like a lug boot, the black ones. Yeah. And they're Gore-Tex. And so like the low top or the high tops, again, it's like the support bomb. They don't have a lot of support and I can wear them for like a long time. But if I want to be able to walk forever and ever and ever, (laughs) these lug boots are where it's at. And they're also waterproof and they're not necessarily the most beautiful shoe in the world, but they are super comfortable and they're waterproof. And so when it was like raining in Paris the whole time, like I just wore them and they're a lot more comfortable than rain boots, which I find tend to be very uncomfortable. I also feel like in general, I mean, I do have narrow feet, but I don't feel like shoes are ever wide enough in the toe box. I think it's they're not sexy, but I don't need sexy. Feet. <laughs> like even yeah. these fight winter boots I got, I realized they're just, and it looks like a hiker boot. They're really narrow in the toe box. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I got the 38, but maybe I really need the 39 or maybe I just have want to wear too many. Stretched. I wonder if you can get them stretched. Yeah. You might, I might cobbler. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we have to start designing shoes that have wide, wide toe boxes that yeah. are still sexy. They're still super sexy. Yeah. Cause I get it. Cause I think aesthetically a narrower toe box is a very pretty shape, but I have no patience Person. I don't know. I've got like my pretty, my pretty docs. Who's ever said they have pretty doc Martins. Mine are pretty, but again, <laughs> they have the same, like the narrow toe bed, which makes them look very chic, but they hurt as all get out when I wear them too long, which is really unfortunate because they're very yeah. cool. For a couple last questions I have, since we're just going to interview each other was like, oh, yeah. is there any clothing style you kept being over time? Like, I really want to make this happen. I really want to make this work. And then you finally were like, you know what? I don't know if I can do this. I think that I've always been pretty, <laughs> I want to say realistic about what works for me. I think that I've always been very conscious of what tends, what I, at least I believe tends to flatter me. I will say that in the two thousands those like bubbly blousey tops that would then kind of have like a tighter waist was not necessarily a very good look for me i'm trying um, to think what you're talking about bubbly blousey top is, is that almost like the image you sent me this morning out of that lookbook we were talking about where it would be like blouse and then it would tie in at the bottom kind of those i'm tall um that very long human body that i tend to like to break it up and so things like that that kind of sit lower are not what I prefer. So I tend to do things that break at my waist. Mm-hmm. And it makes my, li- my legs look so long. <laughs> um, so I think I've always been pretty aware of that and very picky. 
So I'm not really sure there's a style. I mean, pants that are too short. I don't know if that counts as a style. But repeatedly trying to buy, like, non-insane oh, like length pants. pants. Well, all pants become crop pants on me. Yeah. But just trying to buy, like, not not Urban Outfitter. I guess, like, something like an Urban Outfitter jean or whatever where it just is one length. I've tried that too many times, and they're just so short that they look goofy on me. So maybe that's it is, like, not being realistic about pant lengths. <laughs> And be like, it'll be fine. And then you wear them once and you're like, this isn't cute. But this then you is can't not fine. Them. I don't know. I can't really think of anything. I mean, obviously, like the yoga pant look was not my best. Oh, yeah. I didn't know about that until today. Yeah. That, that was an era. Well, we all it have was. our eras. I had yeah. my passion. I mean, it was just like yeah. super. When did I start high school? 2010. It was just like super of the time. Yoga pants. And I don't even know what I wore on top because I don't wear sweatshirts. Who knows? I wore something on top. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't being scandalous. Yeah, I have no recollection. But yeah, stretchy pants. I still wear stretchy pants. Gonna be oh, real. Well, everyone Especially now. I don't know. Was there are there things that you've tried? I definitely went through this phase where and I don't know if it's just the store I worked at had some things like this, but there were some dresses where a lot of it revolved around the torso being in the right place and it was never mm. in the right place for me. So it would always end up being, it wouldn't fit me in the stomach area because where my stomach was, was really where someone else's, like I, since I was so short, so I would end up with a much smaller part of the garment in an area where I was a lot larger. So there was this mm-hmm. one dress, by, I think the designer was Gary Graham, where I saved up, I put it in my whole bag at work and I was so excited to get it because it was really pretty and it was this white kind of pleated cotton dress, but it was, it had such a long torso and it was, it never fit me right there. Mm-hmm. And I think I kept trying to get, I don't want to call them like hourglass things. Like that's just not a shape that I can ever pull off be, being short because things are just not in the right place. It has to be a tent. But if I determine where the waist is myself, then I'm fine. I don't know. I think I realized recently I do better with my height if my pant it goes above my ankle a little bit. But it has mm-hmm. to be for me so the knee is in the right place rather than the knee sag. The, the knee is the thigh issue. Yeah. I have the knee as the calf. No. <laughs> exactly. You have the knee as yeah. the calf issue. And I have the no, knee No, mine's the, the knee as the thigh. You have the knee as the calf. <laughs> I guess what your problem is, is actually a benefit that I have always found um, because I tend to like things that are fitted in the bodice, like a fit and flare type thing. Mm -hmm. And so normally things tend to hit above my natural waist is having a little bit of give before. So that like nicely drapes down the body. That's a benefit of being tall is that things tend to fit incidentally better in that way than they're designed to. But then also they tend to be really freaking short and you can't bend down. Yes. And then you're like, whoops, there goes the wind. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was like such a problem in high school with all my little short, short skirts. It's like <laughs> wind was not my friend. I think that's probably why I wore long cardigans is because that would add weight to hold down the skirt. Cause that's what I want. I would be happy if it was two inches above my belly button, but it was mm-hmm. always four inches below my belly button. And that's not doing anything for me. No. And then yeah. it's like uncom- when clothes don't fit right, it's uncomfortable. I guess that's the benefit of shopping in person is you can weed that stuff out ahead of time. But again, I feel like it took me from 18 to 25 to come to terms with that, that I cannot just buy those things off the rack. And then that's where sewing comes in handy or, you know, or pants that are elastic waist. So it's flexible or. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, especially in this day and age, 
there's a lot of information and everyone likes to share everything. So if you have questions, you can either ask the store, the designer or the community. And normally people really want to help you. If you want measurement help, email us. We will gladly measure the whole garment 60 times for you. Um, 60 times approximately. (laughs) I mean, I feel it like you don't want to feel like you're inconveniencing someone, but it's a lot more of an inconvenience if you order something and it goes horribly awry than it is to try and get that out of the way from the get-go. I kind of view clothes and I have, I've really trimmed it down a lot in recent years, but I think them more as like a collection or the way someone might collect fossils or books or anything someone might have a collection of. I think it's okay to collect clothes in that way. If you're enjoying them for the difference between collecting clothes and collecting textiles, somehow it's automatically understood if you collect textiles, that can be a collection and it's not a material collection. And Mm -hmm. clothes had this connotation of materialism, which can come with this negative feeling, but I don't think it has to be that way. And I think it's okay to love clothes and have it not be materialistic. It's also ironic because I do have collections of books and fossils and clothes. (laughs) I didn't know you had a fossil collection. I have a tidy one too. But yeah, I think that collections aren't bad, says I as a compulsive collector. I know, but I I feel like they're beautiful. I used to collect stationery. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I have so much stationery, and I'm like, (laughs) I guess I'm not writing any letters. (laughs) No, you got to start it. You got to snail mail. Spend all of the rest of quarantine just writing to everyone you know. Being like, I'm trying to work through my stationery collection. But I guess we want to hear what, well, I want to hear what your favorite piece is versus what you actually wear. Um, I mean, obviously, like, I think a fancy dress can be your favorite piece, but you're not going to wear a fancy dress to go to the grocery store necessarily. Um... And if you have any other topics you want us to cover or questions you want to ask or people you want us to interview. So if you will have any questions, comments, whatever, you can send it to us at info at ren dot, oh, ren as in R-E-N-N-E-S dot E-U-S or DM the podcast Instagram, um, which we'll tag in the notes. And please feel free to reach out. We're just trucking on. And talking about styling, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you rate us, please actually review us as well because its feedback is helpful. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, chat you later. Chat you later. Have a good night.